Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. We're going to continue to walk through the book of Zechariah. And I don't remember if you guys remember when we started this um, in January, beginning of January, uh, and God willing, we'll finish this next week unless, you know, Jesus comes back. But if he does, we should be prepared because we've been walking through this book. But um, we started uh, by asking everyone to kind of go through this 21 days of spiritual renewal at the beginning of January. Uh, the idea is, and if you're watching online or if you want one of those books, there's some on the back table. Uh, the idea is that God is obviously a spiritual being, right? So uh, we're human beings. So it was to try to get us to align ourselves with that level of spirituality, to kind of think like a spiritual being uh, would think. So we looked at uh, lots of visions that God revealed through people. We looked at praying for uh, people going through persecutions in other countries. Um, and then we talked about literally walking and living out a spiritual life. So where others can look at us and say, hey, I, I see something different in you than I see in the world. And... Uh, we wanted to get the mindset, everyone, and I say we, me and uh, Pastor Mark Berkshire, who pray for him. He wasn't feeling good, and I think this morning he's preaching a sermon on the identity of the body of Christ. Uh, but we wanted to get us in the mindset of, hey, we've got we've to think a little bit like God does if we're going to understand the things that God is trying to relate to us, right? And some instances, God kind of comes down and he communicates on our level, but in a lot of things, especially when you get to talking about like prophecy and things like that, it's kind of super spiritual and we may get lost in uh, all the wording. And we're, we're actually going to talk about some of those prophecies today. But for the most part, a lot of what we're going to talk about today and over next week uh, are the same types of things that we do with our families. Who has ever had like a family meeting with your family, right? You sit down and you say, hey, we got to talk about whatever, something coming down the pike. And so you sit down with your family, you have those discussions. Some of those things might include, hey, our family, we're moving. Uh, sometimes it's not a big deal. You're moving right next door. Other times it's to a new school district. So you have to have that discussions with the kids. Other times it's to a whole other state, right? When I was in the military, I had that conversation every three years for a long time uh, that, hey, we're moving whole other state, whole other country. Here's what's going on. So we had to have that conversation. Some of the uh, conversations may be, hey, the family is struggling right now. Um, there are some economic things that are going to impact us. Some people have had conversations like, hey, uh, we can't, you know, go out as much as we used to. Some people, it's, hey, we can't go on vacation this year. Because, you know, everyone, we're not in a financial place to do that kind of thing. Sometimes it's to the, the, the family that, hey, Christmas or whatever holiday, it's not going to look like it used to because we're struggling financially. Some of those struggling conversations are you sit down with the family and say, hey, uh, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, they're not doing too good. So we've got to uh, come around and help them. You know, be there for them, maybe spend more time with them, take on caring for them the way that they did for us the whole time we were growing up, right? So some of those are rough conversations. Some of the conversations that a lot of people have been having lately are, hey, guess what? Uh, the family business is closing, 
right? And it's not just families. There was a, uh, a restaurant, a Brazilian steakhouse that closed during the pandemic. It was like this, if you've ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse, it's like they just keep bringing you meat. It's like a fantasy come true, all kind of flavorful meat that's delicious. But they closed. They were in business for like 40 or 50 years, passed down from fa- through the family, and they closed. And when they closed because of the pandemic, because everything shut down, they ended up owing more money than they did when they closed because they had to break a lot of contracts that they had. And so uh, they had to, the, the lady was saying they had to have a tough conversation, not just with their family, but with their customers and with their friends and, and all of this. And a lot of churches, church families, have been having this conversation since the pandemic of, hey, uh, because people aren't giving or because people aren't coming or because of whatever, we've got to close our doors. Like that, that, That's the conversations that people have had to have. And, and a lot of families will have conversations like this in the days and weeks to come. Uh, you can imagine in the Ukraine, they've had a whole bunch of conversations like this. Hey, we've just got to take what you can carry and we've got to go. And no, we won't be going to school. No, we won't have a job. No, we have no idea where food is coming from. But we just have to keep moving. We just have to do this. We have to leave everything that we know. And these are hard conversations, but these are the types of conversations when something's important and you know it's coming down the road, even if people can't grasp what it is, you sit down and you have that conversation. And this is what God does in the next couple of chapters of the book of Zechariah. He has an important conversation about what's going to happen in the end times, for lack of a better term, and a conversation that kind of hits to the heart of what a lot of people are talking about today. So uh, if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Zechariah chapter 12. If you don't, there's one on the table or underneath the chair in front of you, or if you want one, just raise your hand. We'll have someone bring one to you. But I'm going to put a bunch of verses up on the screen because uh, I want you to see I'm not making this up. Because what we're going to see is uh, he's going to talk about over the next three chapters, uh, Zechariah is going to use this phrase, on that day. And he's going to use it, uh, I think it's 16 times over the next three chapters. It's only 44 verses over the next three chapters. So almost 40% of the verses are referring to on that day. So if that day is that important, then perhaps it's something that we should talk about. Now, here's what he's going to talk about. He says on that day, he's going to refer to uh, this thing known as Armageddon, right? Most of us are familiar with that term uh, because from social media and movies, uh, they make it seem like Armageddon is like the end of everything, right? Uh, and if you're not, go check out the Bruce Willis movie, give you a great idea. Um, but it's, it's this phrase that everyone associates with like the apocalypse. This is when all things end. Biblically, it's not. And it's actually where the term comes from, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But he also talks about something else that's going to happen on that day, And he talks about, on that day, the return of Jesus Christ. He doesn't give a date or a time to it, but he describes in amazing detail the circumstances surrounding the return of Jesus Christ. Now, before anyone gets all weirded out about this stuff, um, this is the kind of stuff that people have with their families, right? Soldiers, when I was in the military, hey, I'm going uh, TDY for a year, this, whatever, but I'll be back. Uh, families have these kind of discussions. So this is the discussion that God has 
with the people of Israel to describe the circumstances regarding his return, right? So uh, again, we tend to think of Armageddon as this apocalyptic end to everything, right? But what God is going to describe it as is not an end, but as a day where this certain event happens, and it's the beginning of an all-new thing. Right? So, uh, again, if you have a Bible, open up to Zechariah. But I'm going to put the verses up here because I want you to see I am not making this up. This is literally, that's one literally, I know, she's keeping track, literally what the Word of God says. Okay, so in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 1, this is what it says. A prophecy, the word of the Lord concerning Israel, the Lord who stretched out the heavens, who lays the foundation of the earth, and who forms the human spirit within a person. Now, let me say this quickly. A prophecy, it has two definitions. One is something that God has previously not revealed, right? So that's a prophecy. God says, this, is, this thing is going to happen in your life, or this thing is going to happen. And two, it's something that concerns the future, so it hasn't happened. This fulfills both. It's something God has not previously revealed to Israel, and it concerns the future. He says the word of the Lord concerning Israel, and that's important. It's not concerning you and me. And I'll explain that in a little bit of detail later on. But the understanding is, is that when this happens, you and I should not and will not and hopefully won't be impacted by it if it happens in our lifetime. And I'll get to that in a little bit. And he says, the Lord who stretches out the heavens. And I love this type of verse because this is one of those verses where a lot of people who don't believe in God look and say, hey, this is my reasoning why I can't believe in your fairy tale God because he talks about the heavens being stretched out and the heavens aren't stretched out. But in reality, they are. Because when he says who stretches out the heavens, he's talking about the universe. And scientists have confirmed that our universe is definitely expanding. And it will continue to expand until it ceases to exist. And he says the same, the Lord who lays the foundation of the earth. And it doesn't say laid past tense. It says lays. And there's a reason. Because scientists have discovered there are, and I forget the exact number, over 100 what they call anthropic constants, anthropology, study of man, these things that have to take place or humanity couldn't exist. Like the distance of the earth from the sun, that's exact. The tilt that the earth has, that's exact. If it were tilted 0.01 degrees more or less, then we would either fall out of orbit or all humanity would cease to exist as we'd burn up because we'd be too close to the sun. All of these things, including the, the uh, density of our atmosphere, if it were less dense, then we would be like killed, all die of cancer from uh, the cosmic rays coming through. All of these things are things that are maintained in place. And that's why he says the God who lays the foundation of the earth and who forms the human spirit within a person. And this is, again, one of those verses where And we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks. After Easter, we're going to start a series called I Have a Friend Who Says. Uh, We did it a few years ago, and we're going to do a couple of more topics where we equip you guys with ways to have discussions, not to debate, not to fight, not to argue, discussions with people who kind of say, why do you believe that this God exists at all, right? But one of the reasons he says who forms the human spirit is because scientists, again, have found that all of the elements within the human body, right, we have different elements inside of us, are the same elements 
that are in the dirt. Which makes sense if God formed man from the dirt, which he says he did. Long story short, so he says, this is the God who declares this. And here's what he declares. He says, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding people reeling. When you see that phrase, a cup in the Bible, it means God is going to pour out something. We can all identify with that, right? But it's usually a blessing or a wrath. He says, Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem. And here's that phrase, on that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. So whatever this day is, right, he says that all the nations of the earth are going to be gathered against her. Now, we know this hasn't been fulfilled yet. There have been wars in Israel, right? But maybe with one or two, Hamas or Lebanon or one or two nations, but not all of the nations of the earth gathered against her. And then he says this, On that day, I will strike every horse with panic and its rider with madness, declares the Lord. I will keep a watchful eye over Judah, but I will blind all the horses of the nations. Now, I don't know about you. I read this and I wanted to call the ASPCA and be like, why is God blinding all these animals, right? That's not what it means. It's more of all of the vessels or weapons that are used to come against Israel. God's going to make them futile or worthless. And then he says this, on that day, I will make the clans of Judah like a fire pot in a woodpile, like a flaming torch among sheaves. They'll consume all the surrounding peoples right and left, but Jerusalem will remain intact in her place. So again, on this day, whenever this, this battle is, when all these nations come against Israel, God says, I'm going to protect Israel and protect Jerusalem. He says, on that day, the Lord will shield those who live in Jerusalem so that the feeblest among them will be like David. How many people remember or heard of King David? Right? This is a guy who, when he was like, think 13 to 15 years old, right? think, of a, think of a 13 or 15-year-old child, and he went up against a nine-foot seasoned warrior giant and took him out with a sling and a rock. And then, that's not his, his great, well, that was one of his greatest accomplishments. He went on to become a warrior. Now, I don't know about you guys. If you don't watch action movies, this means nothing to you. But think of your favorite action movie type thing. Like anyone, there's, there's, I, I, I could get sidetracked on this all day. Did anyone watch that movie, uh, what's it called? The Adam Project on Netflix? No. Go watch it. It's good. It's PG-13, so watch it with appropriate everyone. Children, lots of action. Uh, think of, you know, your favorite action star. If you're old school, you're thinking like Arnold Schwarzenegger or Stallone. If you're new school, you're thinking like The Rock, right? This is, this is what God is saying. I'm going to make all of the people of Israel like that, able to fight like that, able to war like that. And he said, the house of David will be like God, like the angel of the Lord going before them, right? And then he says this, on that day, I will set out to destroy all the nations that attack Jerusalem. So again, we know this hasn't happened yet because there have been nations that have attacked Jerusalem, but they haven't been destroyed. They're still there and they may attack Uh, Jerusalem again. And then he says this, and I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, 
and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. So again, he's talking about on this same day. So on this same day that there's going to be a war, he alludes to the fact that also on this same day that they will look on me, this is God speaking, the one they pierced. Now I'm going to show you some verses in a minute, but what he's referring to is the return of Jesus Christ because the Jewish people right now do not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They don't believe that Jesus was God. But here he says, God is saying, hey, they're going to look on me, the one they pierced. The one they pierced was Jesus Christ. Again, this is alluding to, you know, Jesus and God, uh, the Trinity. And they're going to see the holes in his hands. And they're going to grieve over acknowledging that, hey, we missed it. Because he was God. And for centuries, we missed it. And they're going to mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. And believe it or not, this is, this is a reference to the return of Christ, right? This is a reference to God returning in the flesh. And he says, on that day, the weeping in Jerusalem will be as great as the weeping of Hadad Rimen in the plain of Megiddo. You don't have to know what Hadad Rimen is, but the plain of Megiddo is where we get the term Armageddon. And he says, on that day, the day of this war, the day when he defends Jerusalem, the day when he shows up and they see like this, this, this resurrected Jesus, there's going to be as much weeping in Jerusalem, even though they're protected as there is in Megiddo where the war is taking place. And the reason they're going to be weeping is because they're going to be like, we missed it. Family members, friends, people who missed experiencing this relationship with God. Now, I'm going to jump, stay in Zechariah, I'm going to jump to the book of Revelation real quick. In Revelation chapter 16, um, this is what it says, And I saw three loathsome, this is going to get real weird for a minute, just bear with me. And I saw three loathsome spirits like frogs leaping from the mouth of the dragon, the mouth of the beast, the mouth of the false prophet. So now we're jumping who knows how far, ahead in time, right? Like 500 and something years ahead in time. And the apostle John is getting this revelation from Jesus Christ. And in this revelation, he's, he's talking about, he's, he literally saw three spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. The dragon, uh, without going into a lot of detail about the book of Revelation, is Satan. The mouth of the beast is who we call the Antichrist. And the mouth of the false prophet is the spiritual leader of the Antichrist. And he explains why. He says, for really, those frogs that he saw, they're spirits of demons that perform signs and wonders and miracles, and they go forth to the rulers and leaders of the world to gather them together for war on the great day of God Almighty. And it's a great day because it's going to herald the return of Christ. So what uh, John reveals in Revelation is the reason all these people gather to fight this war, and believe me, I'm going I'm to wrap this up. It's going somewhere in a minute. To fight this war against Jerusalem is because these demonic forces go forth and say, hey, let's get all the nations to come against the people of God and to fight this war. While John is getting this revela- revelation from Jesus, in amazing detail, Jesus also gives this warning. He says, behold, I'm going to come like a thief. 
Blessed, happy to be envied is he who stays awake, alert, and who guards his clothes so that he may not be naked and have the shame of being exposed. What he's saying is, say, I'm going to come like a thief and blessed are those who don't wait to the last minute and get caught off guard by missing this time of having this relationship with me. But then he goes on and he says, and they, when they gathered them, they gathered them together at the place which in Hebrew is called Armageddon. So here, 500 years later, 560, 30, or whatever years later, the apostle John is getting this revelation about this battle that 530 or 60 years before, God spoke about to Zechariah. And it gets even a little bit weirder. Bear with me. I'm going to wrap this up in a minute. Back in Zechariah chapter 13, it says this. On that day, a fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. This isn't talking about the war. This is talking about them experiencing salvation through Jesus Christ. And he goes, on that day, I will banish the names of the idols from the land. They'll be remembered no more, declares the Lord Almighty. I will remove both the prophets and the spirit of impurity from the land. And then he says, on that day, every prophet will be ashamed of their vision. They'll not put a prophet garment of hair in order to deceive. And then he says this, if someone asks, what are these wounds on your body? So there's this war, they, uh, the, the people of Jerusalem are protected from this war as all the nations come against them. But then they see the return of Jesus, right? And they ask, what are these wounds on your body? And they answer, he doesn't answer, they answer, they're the wounds I was given at the house of my friends. And he quotes a scripture, awake sword against my shepherd, against the man who is close to me, declares the Lord Almighty. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So he quotes this as an example of where he received these wounds, which Matthew tells us he received these wounds uh, when he was uh, killed and persecuted. Jesus told them this very night, you'll fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have arisen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. This is a whole lot of scripture. Uh, I apologize in advance if I confused anyone. But the whole point of this is, is there's this, this, this time coming where there's going to be this war, right? This battle called Armageddon. The expectation is that if we're a Christ follower, we won't be around for that battle. If it takes place in our lives, if it takes place in the lives of our descendants, because as a Christ follower, we won't experience it. Because what he tells us is, this is talking about the visible, physical return of Jesus Christ to the land. And I know this may be like weird to some of you, but to the Jewish people, this is like mind-blowing because it's something that they have been waiting for, for the Messiah to return, for God to show up in the flesh. Now, I'm going to ask those of you who have a significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, or whatever, do you remember back when you were waiting for that person? Like, oh, I can't wait till I meet this person. It'll be the great person. This will be the right person for me. And, 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 and hopefully if you're with them now, you're like, yeah, I remember. And you're smiling when you do it, because otherwise that's kind of weird. But yes, yeah, smile. Yeah, you're, you're thinking, yes, I can remember. I, I was looking forward to it. I was so happy for it. That's what they were waiting for and hoping for. And then along came Jesus and said, hey, 
that person you're waiting for is me. And they said, no, it's not. And they killed him. And so when he comes back, they're going to see the the pierced hands. They're going to see this visible Jesus Christ in the flesh returning in a visible way. And they're going to realize we missed it. We missed the person who we were waiting for, for centuries. And what God tells all of us is don't miss that. I'm going to ask you guys to stand uh, as the band comes up and ask you to just bow your heads because God gives that same urgent message to us that we not miss what he has in store for us. And it doesn't matter, um, um, you know, uh, whether you have a significant other or not, but all of us know about something that we've been waiting for and hoping for and longing for and, and wanting to come into our life. Maybe it was a significant other. Maybe it was the job that we were hoping for. Maybe it was uh, to start a family. Maybe it was to buy a home. But for many of us, those things won't fill the emptiness that we have in our heart. And what Jesus says is, hey, that thing that you're really hoping for can be fulfilled by putting your faith and your trust in me. So God, we pray that, and I hope I, I, forgive me if I confused anyone, but we hope and we pray that we understand that there is a time when you will visibly return to the earth. And at that time, the whole world will see and know that you alone are God. But we also know that we can put our hope and our faith in you right now. That we don't have to wait until then. That in accordance with your word, there's not a special prayer that we have to say. There's not a a coming forward or a raising of hands or anything that we have to do. We just have to trust that you alone are God. And that you loved us enough to die in our place for the sins that separate us from you. And when we do that, then we become a part of your body. We become a part of your family. And we pray that if there's anyone here that's listening or watching, that they put their faith and their trust in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.